Welcome to Fighting Over the VCR, the podcast where we discuss movies we grew up watching. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this week we have our special guest, Sherry. Hey there. We're going to be talking about um, a couple movies um, that are really important to us growing up and from a very important uh, filmmaker named John Hughes. Part of the reason why we're doing this not only is for our love of John Hughes, but it's kind of special for one of our podcast team members, Nancy, because <laughs> she has a birthday coming up, and she wanted to do this as kind of a special thing. So, happy birthday. Everyone tell Nancy happy birthday. Yeah, Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. It's not her birthday today. No. But maybe you might listen to this on her birthday. Possible. It's possible. We're not going to say what her birthday is. So, when you listen to it, just say happy birthday, and it'll be kind of cool to be like, hey, happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be doing this special episode talking about three John Hughes movies, and we're going to do it kind of chronologically. Uh, we're going to talk about 16 Candles, Br- The Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which are three of what I consider like the five 80s teen high school comedies mm-hmm. that he's done. We'll probably, at the end of the show, near the end of the episode, we're going to have kind of an open discussion. We might mention uh, Some Kind of Wonderful and Weird Science, because I I think we all also enjoy those, Mm -hmm. but trying to keep it kind of easy on you guys and um, stick to these three movies, because they're probably probably the three most popular of those five, I would say. I I agree. They're the better films. And... I'd say. And, um... But we'll talk about that more more later. So first, we're going to get started, and Nancy's going to kick us off talking a little bit about 16 Candles. So 16 Candles came out in 1984, and it starred uh, Molly Ringwald. She was, you know, John Hughes' kind of like little darling for several films. Anthony Michael Hall, um, the very attractive Michael Schaffling as Jake Ryan special appearance with John Cusack as one of the nerds. Um, and, and, Joan. and Joan Cusack. Joan. They get to yeah. be brother and sister. Joan. No, they're not, bro- they're not playing brother and sister in this movie, but uh, they do star in it together. This movie set, I think, like fall of um, Molly Ringwald's sophomore year of high school, and it takes place on her 16th birthday. The day before... Her sister's getting the day before her sister's wedding, and <laughs> everybody in her family forgets about her birthday. And you know, from the very moment, from the very moment that this movie starts, she's so excited about turning sixteen, and she's like on the phone with a girlfriend. She's kind of like looking in the mirror, like, "Oh my god, what's different about me?" And kind of doing a assessment. Turns out she doesn't really notice anything different, but she certainly notices that everyone in her family has completely forgotten that it's her birthday, and she thinks it's like a joke. Yeah. Um, and in and through the course of all this, you know, there's a school dance, and she's got this huge crush on Jake Ryan, and there's a geek Nate, played by Anthony Michael Hall who's kind of following her around or just, like, won't leave her alone. I find it funny, like, he has a name. Like, his name is, they call him Farmer Ted. But they always... In the credits, he's the geek. He's the geek. Yeah. And everywhere it is, he's the geek. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Joan Cusack is a girl geek. Like, yeah. Her. Yeah. It's really bizarre. But he, you know, he's a freshman and he just... He's hilarious. But, you know, you really get to see this kind of exaggerated experience of, you know, 
her, you know, her kind of sophomore experience and, you know, having a crush on a senior boy, but also that it is her 16th birthday and what it feels like to be completely forgotten about. And, you know, the wedding that her sister is having is just totally ridiculous. (laughs) Um, We get another appearance from our favorite um, clairvoyant from Poltergeist, Tangina (laughs) or Tangina, however you want to pronounce her name. Um, And it's it's a very silly movie. Um, It's got an excellent soundtrack. The movie is full of music that's just so, so freaking good. But it just, it's one of the best, very silly high school movies, but it also, for the course of our discussion, um, is a movie that I think both Sherry and I in particular feel strongly about because, one, this would <laughs> never happen to us. <laughs> Sherry and I both enjoy our birthdays enough, and Nightmare. we both like to celebrate our birthdays, so people around us would not forget that our birthdays are coming up. It's just impossible. But I think as a kid watching this... constantly remind them. Yeah, I think as kids watching this, we were both kind of like, that could happen. There's no way that could actually happen, right? Is that why you are so vocal about your birthday? Like, like, I don't know, but I mean... Because growing up, you were definitely like, it's my birthday! But as like you've gotten older, you know, it's, it's, it's petered off a little bit, but when the day comes, shoo! I mean, you don't really yeah. like to to. I'm not embarrassed. Like pe- people to forget. Well, yeah, and, and I'm not embarrassed when people sing to me in a restaurant. Oh, like no, that doesn't no. bother me at Neither all. Am I. Nancy's yeah. favorite question is, "Can I see your ID?" Well, yeah, that I think that's most women's favorite question, especially if they're like over thirty. I think. But you're very vocal about like that's my favorite question. No, it and, really is. That's the favorite. Yeah, and if it's your birthday, then. All the more the merrier. Yeah. So. yeah. Shock that the Sagittarius and the Scorpio like their birthdays. I know. know. Matt Matt doesn't dislike his birthday, but he's not. I'm indifferent he likes, about my he birthday. He likes having a celebration, but he's just like whatever. Yeah. I think fine. that I think that <laughs> birthdays are great and they're fun, but at the same time, I also understand why some people just think it's another day. They get depressed while they're getting older. Of course. All those kinds of things. But for for Sam in this movie, I mean. Anyone who is any age listening to this would know, like, 16 has kind of been become, like, this monumental birthday because of either getting your driver's license or whatever. And she is, like, she feels like it should be important. Well, and especially for girls, it's like a, used to make a big to-do of it, right? Like, sweet 16, you know, supposed to be, there's songs about it, you know. She has a big crush, which is another part of it. Like, I know Nancy, like... High school crush, you know, then the whole and the whole forgetting the birthday thing can relate. Sherry and I also have another very special connection regarding this movie in that we both know what it's like for a family member or a very close friend to decide to have their wedding the day before our birthdays. (laughs) And this didn't happen to us until our late 30s. It wasn't the same year because I'm three years older than Sherry. But we, I, and it happened to me first, and then a few years later, it happened to Sherry. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it really made me grouchy that year. My that my birthday that year was kind of like, <sighs> well, Nancy, seriously, like, why is this person 
getting married the day before my birthday. Like, it kind of ruined my whole birthday weekend. So I completely understand what Samantha Baker is feeling like. Well, and you always kind of get that anyway because of Thanksgiving. It falls on Thanksgiving. Like, it either falls on it or right around Thanksgiving. And it ends up being like, hey, we're all going to get together for Thanksgiving. Oh, by the way, let's have cake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, my again, my birthday's in... November 23rd, if anyone cares. Um, <laughs> Please tell her happy yeah, birthday. Exactly. <laughs> Harry's character in the number 23 cares. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so every like five or six years, it falls on, rotates and falls on Thanksgiving. You know, so it's always like a busy weekend or whatever. But yes, Sherry and I both really know what it's like <laughs> to have a family or friend decide their wedding is going to be like the day before your birthday. And it's like, thanks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> And to to the family member and close friend of ours that you know who you are. If you're listening, you know who you are. We still love you. We still love you. Um, but yeah. So again, what, weddings are hard to plan, and sometimes picking a day is is complicated. Absolutely. I understand. My, we our wedding it. was on my grandpa's birthday. It was on his 80th birthday. So hey. You know, I did it to somebody else too. And then we sang happy birthday. <laughs> we did. He had, a, he had an awesome birthday party. We did. By the he way. did. He yeah. did. He had a lot I'm of fun. Concerned. He was happy. People got married on his birthday at, at his party. I know. What a crazy thing. I know. <laughs> so another fun thing about sixteen candles, which really connects for me and Matt, is since our podcast is a podcast where a brother and sister are talking about movies, this movie fully on full on deals with siblings and yeah. a lot of the multiple dynamics of siblings. I mean, there are four kids in this family. The relationships. Wait, among, what's the fourth kid? There's this little, there's a, this oh, yeah, yeah, daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Molly yeah. Ringwald's younger Where's sister yeah. in real life yeah. plays Patty, the youngest sister. Oh, and also I know you guys know this, but I want to point this out that what's cool about this movie is Molly Ringwald was 15 when she did this movie. And so she breaks is Anthony the, she, Michael Hall. So she kind of breaks the pattern or she started out like doing the pattern right and then they just snowballed into having 40 year olds play high school kids later right, right. <laughs> caroline is not 15 <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> caroline her sister no no, no jake's, uh, girlfriend. jake's girlfriend oh yeah no way yeah <laughs> but yeah so because of this because there's all these really intense sibling dynamics between Samantha and her sister who's getting married and just how much of a monster her sister is to her and how insensitive she is, you know, in Samantha being the younger sister. But then all the problems she has with her younger brother, who's just such a douchebag. Douchey younger brothers? God. (laughs) Um, It's just extra fun to watch, you know, in context of us doing our podcast with all this kind of sibling rivalry that's happening in this movie. You know, you know, Sam, you're really acting like an, an asshole. asshole. <laughs> and it, it just, her tone, like the whole movie, she has like this She's very so pretentious. Like, pretentious monotone, the oldest sister, where I'm just kind of like... Oh, just hit her with a car. <laughs> oh, 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 my don't God. worry. This girl doesn't know how to deal with cramps and decides to take four <laughs> muscle relaxers and acts like a complete Dude, I mean, ass. I mean, this this viewing, it was the first time I caught the quick little joke of Rudy standing at the altar saying, I bet everybody who thinks that we had to get married <laughs> must be must be laughing at themselves now, thinking that she was pregnant, and that's right. why they got had to get married. Right. She, I mean, I know some people have really bad ones, but it's like, dude, four? Like, come it's on. 
Um, let's try some Advil. And, Either yeah. way. We've talked about periods plenty on this <laughs> podcast, so we're not going to go on the, and continue to talk about Oh, them. do share. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Um, point of reference, listen to our Carrie episode. Um, but this movie cracks me up. I mean, it, it certainly is an exaggerated view of, you know, like what this ideal high school couple is because they show, you know, Jake and his perfect girlfriend who, you know, is beautiful and all that, but we see the dark side about her. I mean, he is fed up and bored with her. He hates how insensitive she is. You know, they end up, she ends up telling, you know, hundred people to come to his parents' house cause they're not home and they completely trash the house. And it just, he said, yeah, she's totally insensitive. She is totally yep. insensitive. And doesn't know how to ask someone to open a door if her hair's caught in a door jam. I mean, <laughs> you know, what are you doing, lady? This yeah, is so I mean, bizarre. I have to say, I was telling I was telling Matt when we were watching it that when that happens, while it seems ridiculous, I can see being drunk and going, What am I gonna do? You need to cut my hair <laughs> but it's she had to be pretty pretty bad she's super bad but there and and this movie you know gave birth to so many characters and again this movie came out in 84 so it's really inappropriate in a lot of ways i mean where how do we count the ways but the most probably the most inappropriate depiction is long duck dong yeah i mean they literally bang a gong every time they talk about him so it's a little and it's very insensitive and you know not you can really, you can pretty much it's like dated in that way. Well, yeah, you can you can look at a lot of like eighties movies. You could probably look at movies now and like we don't notice it now, but like in fifteen twenty years we might notice it. Certain, Just, yeah, like there's a, there's, there's stuff th- even in The Hangover that hasn't like yeah there's aged things well. that, that has not aged well. It's not necessarily as PC. Yeah, you know not. Not with the times, but you know what? Also, some people don't give a shit about stuff like that. So, you know, they just, uh, it, and some people, I mean, I'm not excusing it because I don't believe this, but some people just think like, oh, what's the big deal? That's just, it's just, a, it's a comedy. It's being humorous. Like, well, maybe it's, you shouldn't be it's laughing changing. at that. And I think so there's, there's, there's some consent issues in this movie too. They're not oh. too bad oh. in some of them, but I know, <laughs> I know. I, I think it's definitely, but you know, it, I will say though, and as as we watched all three of these movies for this for this episode, if we're looking at this movie through the eyes of Samantha Baker, it's possible that these kind of exaggerated depictions of like how weird her grandparents are. I mean, the fact that her grandma felt her up—that's <laughs> very bizarre. She's got her boobies. I yeah, mean, that's... so strange. The fact that again, how awful her siblings were. I mean, especially, especially her brother. I mean, it it could just be that we're seeing this like filtered through her eyes. That's a really good point. I never thought of it that way where it's like, as John was writing this, this, you know, this movie and directing it, he's kind of, he could have been like kind of exaggerating everything to be like, how would, how would this world be through Samantha's eyes? Yeah. As if she was like, telling the story herself from a diary or something. I mean, it's not totally first person because there's plenty of scenes where it's just the geek and his friends or the geek with Jake. Because, yeah, what a weird pairing that Jake and the geek end up 
connected in some weird way simply because of Samantha. You know, Jake goes up. Jake goes up to the geek to say, "What do you know about her?" And he just kind of freaks out, like, "Oh no, no, no! I didn't know she was with you. I I didn't mean to be dancing with her." Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no! I just have some questions. It's fine. Calm down." Um, but then throughout the movie, they they kind of stay connected in a bizarre way. So we're not seeing them through Sam's eyes because they're she's not yeah. in the same room. Yeah. But either way, I think I think kind of taking all three of these John Hughes movies with a little bit of it's through the eyes of a teenager that we're probably supposed to be filtering these movies through. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, and what do teenagers know? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, if you ask a teenager, teenagers know everything. Know everything. <laughs> and then you ask a 20-year-old, and they say, teenagers know jack shit, I know everything. And then you ask a 30-year-old, you know, so on and so anything. forth. So on and so forth. <laughs> so I actually think in doing the rewatch... Anthony Michael Hall really is like the second. He's almost like a second lead. Yes. Oh sure. In this movie, because he because he probably has the 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 second most screen time. Yes. And second most amount of dialogue because Jake really it's kind of quiet. Yes. You know he's not. Whereas he's a deep thinker. Yeah. Whereas (laughs) you know they kind of have Farmer Ted being. Like, he even says, like, I got this reputation of being, like, this cool ladies' man kind of guy within my within my group of friends. He's king of the dipshits. He's king of the dipshits. Yeah. 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 King of the dipshits. <laughs> and, um, you know, so he's kind of always probably been the outgoing, outspoken one in his group. Like, and doing things like talking to people that, that he probably, you know, inappropriately yeah. and stuff like that. Um so he has a lot of dialogue throughout this movie because he's just, that's just his character. But he also is the one that actually helps connect Sam and Jake. Well, yeah. And, and he's the reason that anything with the two of them moves beyond him reading a random survey that she wrote where, yeah, I'd, I'd bang Jake Ryan if I had the right, chance. Oh my God, right. what a nightmare. One year I go watching that movie. Oh, the time when she drops what that the hell? And he's like, does that lean? And you're like, no. But but again, without those conflicts, oh, I know. then there'd be no movie. Just not so. usually how it happens. Yeah, I don't think. But I'm I'm, <clears throat> I'm wondering. Like, I never saw any quiz like that in high school. <laughs> Maybe that was like an '80s thing or before. Or you don't want to admit that you did I that quiz. I don't remember doing anything. Like that. I remember <laughs> slam books, but I don't remember What's a slam book. Slam I don't book. Remember a slam book was actually a lot like that quiz where. Um, take like a small notebook and on the top of each page you would write that kind of a question and then the book would get passed around and obviously by everyone's individual handwriting you could kind of figure out like you know who's your who's your favorite crush you know celebrity crush and then you'd see a list of different names depending on how many people this book circulated through Mm. Um, I'd say the closest that similar I mean it's the closest thing that I, I ever saw to a, a survey like this, and I think I did that like in elementary school, maybe once in junior high. I mean, so they had probably phased out by high school for you. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't doing them. Was no, I never saw them in high school. But I was gonna say, you ever play Mash? Oh yeah, yeah, that was probably the closest thing I can think of. At my school, I that think was that stuff like was the, getting the like paper confiscated folding? real fast. The, uh-huh. the paper folding. That there's that one too. That's yeah. different. I thought. Yeah. Mm. 
That's like the like the fortune teller thing that looks like a fortune Wait, cookie. Mash was mansion, apartment, shacker, house. That right? is correct. Okay, yeah. We'll play I, it later. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> we'll probably need to pull up a YouTube. Jack on there. We'll have to put a YouTube video on there or something. And <laughs> so we'll have so to look up on YouTube. So it's basically it. like adolescent fuck Mary kill. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like and then you you pay, like you get you know where you're gonna have a mansion. You're gonna have a shack. You're gonna have a. Gotcha. Anyways. Anyway. So. so yes, Farmer Ted. But Farmer Ted set them up. Basically. Yeah, and and he was excited for them because he knew like he wasn't going to get anywhere with with Sam. He was he was just really reaching, but she was she was rejecting him in every way she could. Except she showed him some kindness. She showed him some sympathy, and she handed him her, her underwear. It only took. You know, and if you think about it, <laughs> like she helped save his reputation. If you reputation. think about it, it she, cute. she, you know, he hooked her up. With Jake, and all it cost her was her underwear. I know. (laughs) But, you know, he said he only wanted to borrow... She got him back. Well, he said he only wanted to borrow him for ten minutes, and then it's like she (laughs) just, like, went commando all the way home. (laughs) Of course, she left right after the dance, so... Yeah. Yeah. Long Duck Dong dropped her off. (laughs) (laughs) On his way to the party. He's here for three hours, and he finds someone. (laughs) I'm here my whole life, and I'm still alone. Poor, Poor Samantha Baker. My, I when you were talking about the scene with them, uh, with uh, Farmer Ted and Sam in the car, that's my favorite scene. Oh, when when he tells her that he asked about her and she's like, "Shut up! No, he did not. Like you're lying." <clears throat> and that feeling, like you'd have to be lying, like you're kidding me. Like the guy that I'm like have such a huge crush on is asking about me. Yeah, how? No way. Yeah, her, rea- and it's just her reaction cute. was very genuine. I yes. Think. Oh it was yeah. Very genuine. Yeah. I feel hurt when she's like crying in the hall. Yeah. And, oh, and then how she does all the rehearsal, like she's rehearsing in the hallway, yeah. all all the things that she wants to say. And then when she finally gets in front of him, she completely yep. clams up and turns around and yep. runs away because she's so nervous. Yep. Yep. I understand. Very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite character? It's Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Farmer it's Ted. The geek. Farmer Ted. <clears throat> yeah. I, don't want I mean, to, call him that. He, I, to me, he's Farmer Ted. He's Farmer Ted. Yeah. I know. I've always liked him. I've always, when I was younger, I thought he was super cute. Such a huge dork. With his braces. Yeah, he's cute. Uh, he's got incredible comedic timing. He, he does. So I think funny. he's very funny. But um, he's my favorite. I mean, I like other characters too. I do like really like Jake too. But I'm not sure how old he was when he when he played that role. But he actually kind of he didn't look like a freshman, but he looked like he was in high school. Oh yeah, to me, you know, yeah, and really kind of pulled it off. All yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> all right, very hot, very hot. <laughs> he's always he's yeah, and then John John Cusack is also very cute in that movie. He's so he looks like a little baby. He's just so he is. So young. Our buddy John. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Nancy, and your favorite character in scene? I think it's Anthony Michael Hall also. He's he's just... I feel he's the glue in this story. I mean, he he's, the, he's a fly in the ointment at the beginning of the movie when she gets on the bus and, oh my God, who is this nerd sitting next to me? Why won't he leave me alone? I mean, they play that... <laughs> Dun, 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 drag dun. Music. The drag music. Yeah. music when he's <clears throat> approaching her and it's just like, oh god, what's gonna happen? <laughs> but I mean, he he he's great. He's so funny. I mean, and and even this. I mean, 
so many scenes with him. Like, when Jake rescues him when he's trapped under the glass table <laughs> from the party. That's so funny. Um, when Jake, when, he, when he's making the martinis with Jake, mm-hmm. and then... Their relationship is so cute, too. I love Jake yeah. and Farmer Ted together. Yeah. They are hilarious, because Jake is very chill. He's just so... It's all right. I trust you to get her yeah. home. You're not going to yeah. leave her in some parking lot. He's a like, good guy. You're good. You're fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he recognizes that that Farmer Ted is not trying to jerk him around or abuse him or just take advantage of him. Because he mean, kill him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's 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 definitely much bigger than him and probably you know in real life thirty years older than him. You know what? And talking <laughs> about them together. Maybe my favorite scene is when the party has like kind of dissipated and they're in the kitchen and they're talking about yeah, All that's right, a great Jay, scene. What is your what are your um, what are you going to do with her? Because honestly, if all you want to do is mess around with her, I'm going to get a bunch of guys to kick your ass. Like the fact that he was able to kind of feel that that Farmer Ted was able to feel such loyalty to Sam and want to be protective of her really made Jake see like, wait a second. This really could be a girl that's really special that I should be good to. And I I thought it was great. Yours, Matt? Your favorite that's, character and favorite scene? Well, um not to not to, you know, hop on the bandwagon, but yeah, Farmer Ted. I think he's, he's great. I think he's he's probably my favorite, if not the best character in it. Um it, it it's it's a close race though. I really enjoy watching Long Duck Dong in this movie. He's super funny. He's hilarious. Um, that <laughs> actor, he does a great job, um, and he's a really good actor. He's not, you know, Mr. Superstar, but he's he was on ER for a really long time. Mm. And I yes. I really liked him in that. But, um, but yeah, uh, Anthony Michael Hall really nails it in this movie. Yep. And he's so young. Yeah, he's very young, and but he, he's... Um, you know, he's kind of, you know, precocious and, you know, probably does things that, are, you know, are immature and, and, and whatnot. But in the end, he ends up being like an actual real person that, you know, once he's away from his group, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will say that, say this, um, I think it goes to mention and we had kind of, Sherry had kind of hinted at it about the idea of consent. Oh God. Yeah. You know, the whole idea of him taking Jake's or Caroline, Jake's girlfriend home and this, I, and Jake's whole, like do whatever you want with her kind of aspect of it is very wrong. (laughs) And, and, and like watching this as a kid, you don't really clue in on this. No, it wasn't until I watched it a while recently that I was like, as I was a little older, I'm like, wow. This is not really great, but I think at the same time... I don't think anything happened with him. Nothing happened. I think they both remember it wrong, too. I I agree. I think nothing happened. But they're cute, too. Nothing happened. Anthony, I mean, Farmer Ted, Nick, parks the car, passes out. I mean, he has the, he has the, like, like, when he wakes up in the next morning in the the parking lot, he has his his headgear on. Which... So, he obviously (laughs) was like, it's almost like, you know, I'm not going to do anything. He probably put a blanket on her... And then put his headgear on. They passed out in the car. I mean, was he carrying his headgear around like in his back? I know. Probably. <laughs> Where does that I come from? Like, what the hell? I mean, he he 
was being a very responsible young man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure nothing happened there. And, and you know, he probably, and he never would have done anything. I mean, look at how hard it was for him to get her underwear. And the fact that he did it. I mean, but that's that's probably as far as he would go. Yeah. Um, the real person that's at fault in that whole situation is Jake. So now I'm kind of worried. Now, at the end of this movie, I'm like... You know, Sam, is Jake really, <laughs> really the guy? Well, you know what? But I, I think he was so pissed at her yeah. for ruining his house, yep. ruining his parents' house. Well, yeah, she destroying I mean, the wine cellar, all this stuff. Take out all he that was in probably, it. He was probably like, I don't give an F about right. this girl. Right, but that gonna, was like his buddy. He'd feel the F same. about me. Well, right, I'm going right. to also suggest that wasn't the first time she invited tons of people from high no, school. She said it was. She says, she says, um, you know, I invite a bunch of people over, but Jake hates it when I invite people to his house because they always trash their his parents' house. Yeah, so I he, mean, he's he's dealt with that before, and he was just he's just over it. But so. I know I already said that my their conversation was my favorite scene, but I mean, of course, close runner up is the very last scene. Sure, when, at the yeah. church where the last car pulls away, she sees him standing there, and then they end for whatever reason sitting on top of a cot. On top of a dining table over <laughs> a birthday cake. cake, you know. And she it's walks so out, cute. she points to herself with like, me. With the, with the, you know, with the Thompson Twins song playing. Oh, in it, the was prob- it was I mean, probably just so um, sweet. It was probably it. like one of those, you know, John had, John Hughes had like a vision in his head of right. how he wanted the shot to mm-hmm. be, and he was just going to do it. it. Perfect. As, as ridiculous it as it might yeah. seem, like, why are they doing this? But so much of the movie was. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I think that my favorite scene, I, I really, I, I like the scene in the, um, in the shop, in the, in the school shop with, between mm-hmm. Farmer Ted and Sam. And I, I think that that's, and I like the scene in the kitchen, in Jake's kitchen. I think my other. Exercise bike. Yeah, the just exercise bike. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, her doing, her doing, her lifting the weights, or just, or just pretending I'm I'm Long Duck Dong dancing with her. No, no, I'm kidding. Not, not that that would have been bad, but um, uh, just from like an absurdity kind of comedic point point of view, I think that a, a very kind of interesting scene that that sticks in my head is. Without Sam or Farmer Ted is the dinner that her parents go to 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 meet yeah. the, the the in-laws. The very godfather <laughs> feeling. It even has the, music the, the godfather music behind it and everything like that. It's so that weird. it's so <laughs> such a bizarre scene. But I like think so of that bizarre. scene yeah. and um it's just I forgot it about it. Uncomfortable. That it's scene a, well, but it's supposed to yeah. because it's so awkward. Yeah. I just always re- kind of remember that scene for some reason. And I think that 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 scene has has been mocked and like or or redone in so many ways yeah. probably in real life. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. One of my favorite lines is if it's okay with my dad, she's coming home with me. <laughs> <laughs> Farmer Ted. I just had to I mean, I think I think I mean yeah. the consensus holds strong. Former yeah. Ted. Yep. Yeah, he's the best. I mean, and and we'll get we do also. I mean, I also think that it's appropriate to give a, a clear shout out to Molly Ringwald. Of course. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, she, I mean, this really. This, I mean, this, this movie doesn't exist without her. No. And, and um, she's she's wonderful with playing that. I mean, she 
fully epitomizes what a pissed off 16 year old on their 16th birthday whose would parents be, forget it whose <laughs> parents completely forget it and I mean I can't believe she wasn't more like screaming mad in their faces when they both finally realized it like she was just so yeah well I was mad earlier but I'm over it now it's like you're not over it like what I mean she uh, I think she was just like so tired and like yeah. so many other things had happened yeah. to her with Jake and everything like yeah. that that it almost seems secondary but I mean you know John Hughes really kind of nails her, you know, all the situations. Like, and while we we're rewatching it, it's like, how does her mom not? That's the one I have to say as a mom. And then, and then like, but grandma, grandparents, grandparents, yeah, grandparents. grandparents live for this shit. Right? No, I agree. It's, it's, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so all of that together, I mean, it's, it's, it's very pretty silly, fun. but it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun uh, idea, and I also. I really enjoy movies that happen in a short period of time, like this one where it's like, you know, it's a week. Two days. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool. All right. So uh, we're going to move on to our next movie, and I'm going to talk about The Breakfast Club. But before I do that, I want to uh, correct myself. At the opening of the, of the episode, I neglected one of the John Hughes high school teen comedies, uh, Pretty in Pink. Which I neglected because we talked about it once already, mm-hmm. but we have to make sure that we include that. So, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club. I'm trying to do it in chronological order as of release. Then Weird Science, then Pretty in Pink, then Ferris Bueller, then Some, some Kind of wonderful. wonderful. So, and uh, good job, Matt. <laughs> you know, I, I I lived through Your life it. for all of them. <laughs> but uh, I mean, and we'll talk about this at the end. Where you know, John Hughes put out. You know, he was involved with a lot of movies that we grew up with, a lot of great comedies, and some some things that we you know you have to really look at and go, oh yeah, he did write National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We oh yeah, did. he did. He did write Mr. Mom. Right, you know, vacation. So. You know, so anyway, so moving on, The Breakfast Club, probably one of those like big iconic movies from the 80s. If you were a teenager, you know, watching this movie. And then I think the first time I had seen it, I'd probably just seen it on TBS. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, Yeah. So I'd always kind of seen it edited. And then as I got older, I watched the whole movie, you know, unedited and everything and got the jokes more as I got older and and whatnot. Um, but uh, I've always really enjoyed this movie. It has comedy. It has drama. It has... Um, it's probably the most serious of the high school movies he ever did. It's pretty serious. I mean, they all... I think all of them have certain elements of, of like, a serious factor. Like, we talked about in Pretty in Pink. There's the class war mm-hmm. kind of aspect of it mm-hmm. and the struggles... Mari Ringwald's character has living with her dad because mm-hmm. her mom had left and all that. But in this movie, you have five kids all from different kind of clicky areas mm-hmm. of their school, all having detention together and kind of getting to know each other. And in the you know as it's going on, it's it's almost kind of like hostile in some ways, and you know not really kind of. Not really comfortable, not really wanting to know, get to know them. They just want to kind of do their time for the day. Yeah. And 
um, they all have kind of a common enemy in the vice principal or dean of students or whatever you want to call them who is, you know, managing the the detention. By the end of this movie, they all kind of grow together and, like, f- discover things about kid, you know, each other. And, you know, they tell their stories about how they got you know, got detention and some of them are like, oh, I skipped school to go shopping and others are, you know, I had a gun in my locker because I thought about committing suicide. And, yeah. you know, it, it goes, it's, it's rough in, in, in some of those scenes, but you've got, I think that one of the things that I've always loved about the movie has always changed for me. When I first was watching the movie, I think I always kind of liked, like, it had cool music, Mm -hmm. and it was like, oh, I'm young, and I'm watching these kids in high school, and Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, I wonder if this is what high school will be like, and stuff like that. Yeah. Then, as, when I was, like, a teenager watching this, I think I kind of gravitated towards certain characters in different ways, because I was the same age, and I could relate to this aspect of this character, and this aspect of this other character. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it was John Bender is funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had very kind of iconic dialogue played uh, played by Judd Nelson, um, and it was very he was very edgy, mm-hmm. so it was kind of easy to kind of be like, oh wow, this guy this it's guy's cool. cool to watch. Yeah. And um, then as I got older, you know, I kind of you know I had grown out of that you know that age group. And watch it again, I can kind of look at it from a different perspective and see different characters that I relate to in different ways. You like the vice principal now. <laughs> no, I like Carl. Carl. Carl, Carl. Janner. <laughs> Carl, who is also the groom yeah. in Sixteen Candles. He um, is the eyes and ears of that institution. No. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's meant a lot to a lot of different people for all the different all these different reasons. But I think, you know, for me, watching this movie like today i just kind of see it from i almost see it from like the the person's point of view of i lived it and i got out of it and now i'm looking at like that generation and kind of like a wow big as tough as things seem in high school don't you're gonna get through it kind of Mm -hmm. kind of eyes and um you know everyone's situation in high school is different and we had talked about this on um on previous episodes where you know you kind of don't necessarily really know everyone that you go to high school with and oh, what their impossible. and what their background story is yeah like impossible. And, i mean unless you live in a very small town you really don't know like the real like the real life goings on until you actually like start to talk to them and get to know them and this if, is one of the first times when I watched this movie that I really clicked when I was younger about how much a parent's situation can affect their children. Like that, that kids are really, that they're affected. They're not just live in a vacuum. Like they're, they really are how much they're affected by how their parents are, you know? Well, there's that, yeah. there's that, when I was as- young. there's that aspect of it. But I, just the idea that like, you know, when you're in high school, you're probably really focused on number one yourself a lot of the times. And then you have your like close immediate friends like these kids do. They mm-hmm. have their little groups and everything. And it's not until they got put into the situation that they really, A, you know, like they felt safe because it was only the five of them. Like they could open up and maybe the five of them, 
they could trust them enough to where like they're not going to tell like their secrets to the other kids that they know, but they did it anyway. Yeah. But it, once they got to know their situation, like they really kind of like were like, wow. They had empathy. I'm I'm the princess, and you know you're the kid with no friends. But wow, we both have shitty parents because they ignore you and and mm-hmm. everything. So we can be friends, and we have something in common, yeah. and and. I would like to think that, like, kids could watch this movie with a larger, like, perspective. And I think a lot of kids these days have that and really kind of understand, like, until you really get to know somebody, don't judge them or put or treat them a certain way. And, you know, I I will say, though, um, and we're going to I'm going to talk about this more later in the episode about how I feel there's kind of a fantasy element about all three of these movies. But the fantasy element in Breakfast Club nowadays is unless on a Saturday detention, everybody's cell phones were to be confiscated from them, there's no way this movie would ever take would ever make sense nowadays. I mean, they'd have ma- to be confiscated. It makes yeah. it makes sense in the 80s because there was no internet. There was nothing that they could do to occupy themselves but socialize with each other. Did you guys ever have detention? I did. I may have. I don't remember. I had, I had in-house suspension for fighting, so... <laughs> it was um, a crazy day. I remember that. Day. And anyway, I... I And basically, I was in a room, and it was almost like Breakfast Club, but the teacher was there, and I wasn't supposed to speak, and I had to, like, do homework. I wasn't was, sure if either of you ever, ever, ever had it, so I have. I had Saturday detention once, which I can't even remember why. But I, 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 I had it. I know for a fact that, and I'm not really being serious, that you cell phones don't really work that well if you have Saturday detention and you're in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> because in that, you <clears throat> might accidentally be cleaning an old classroom and then get sucked into a video game. And your cell phone won't work. I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> it, I highly recommend it. It's pretty. Is that the one with the rock? It's not bad. And Kevin Hart. It's it's okay. it's not bad. It's entertaining. Hey, okay. it, it did well enough. They're making another one that yeah. comes out soon. <laughs> um, of the of the John Hughes movies, I think this is the one Matt and I watched the most. I think absolutely. I think he and I can recite a lot of the dialogue. We're not going to right now, but there's plenty of times where we could almost reenact full scenes. I've seen Ferris Bueller a lot, but I think I've seen Breakfast Club more times. Hey, Sherry, do you belong to the physics club? <laughs> it's an academic club. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've always kind of felt, and to your point, like when we when we intro this, this is really kind of, I always see this as kind of a serious movie. Mm-hmm. It's got it, it obviously I, we laugh at Bender. We laugh at some of the funny things that happen. Some of the, you know, the, the you know, but. It's, some stuff hasn't aged well. Yeah, some I mean, stuff has not aged well. There's definitely bullying within the movie. I mean, you know, Andy is in suspension for assaulting a kid and, and effectively bullying him. Yeah. Um, Bender is bullying all of them throughout yeah. the course of he this just, day. He just has perpetual Saturday detention. I mean, and then he's being bullied by the principal when he gets isolated. And, I mean, it's... There's there's some hard stuff in this movie. Oh the, yeah. The only I think I think that depending on how much we believe Ali Sheedy's character, she either like she says is there because she had nothing better to do and just showed up there or 
she also has a lot of stuff in her bag and stole someone's wallet. That's so, what I think So it she is. probably stole something, and that's, that's why it. she's in there. Although, modern she's day... She's a compulsive liar, too. Modern times, if you stole something, you would not be in sorry detention. You'd probably be in jail or suspended. Yeah, I, I think she probably <laughs> stole something, and that's why she was there. So, you're right. They all have done something bad to get there. It's not like... You know, and 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 even Andy's, he would not get Saturday detention he'd, for that. He'd be in jail. He, he'd probably or or, or get suspended for for assault, suspended, for assaulting yeah. a kid. But yeah. but then again, he was like one of the best guys on the wrestling team. So maybe he got special treatment. I we don't maybe. we don't back know. then. It's very believable. That's believable. that that was what his punishment yeah. was. Oh yeah, I I will also point out and. Um, this movie has some diversity issues, but oh, yeah. yes, but I don't know if uh, this uh, suburb, you know, which suburb of Chicago this is, but you know, it could be one that is not very diverse. Wasn't it Sherman or Shermer or something? Because that was the name of the high school. I, I guess. Yeah, it, it could be fictional too. It probably is. <laughs> this. Most of John Hughes movies take place in like the Chicago, greater Illinois. Chicago area. Yes. 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 So, um, that's one of the reasons why, um, I forget which movie it was. Oh. One of his, one of his movies, and I want to, I think it was, it might've been some kind of wonderful that he actually didn't direct it. He only has a writing credit on it because I think they wanted to film it near LA and he wouldn't, he's like, I, I'm not I going think you're there. right. I think it was. Cause I think, I think Howard Deutsch was the director on I some kind so. of wonderful. So I have to look it up. But anyway, um, just moving on, uh, we're going to play a little game when we're done here, but my, like my favorite character in this movie, what? Oh, I thought we were going to rank them least favorite and end on our favorite. Oh. And we were each going to go through and do that. Oh, no, I, I thought we were going to play which character do you relate to the most. I have that question here. Oh, okay, why don't we play that first and then we'll do the ranking. Okay. Because it can't, doesn't have to be the same. No, because nope. just because you like a character right. doesn't Correct. mean you relate to them. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I would say that if I was going to say I relate, like, related to now or related to in high school, I think that, like, if I was relating to in high school, minus the pressure I felt from my parents for grades, it was probably Brian, Anthony Michael Hall's Me too. character. Just Me too. because of just what a of bunch where, of nerds. Where, uh, what our back, <laughs> what, we what we were doing in school is <laughs> yeah. probably that. I mean, <clears throat> I, think I, I think I had, I think I might have had a little bit of Ali Sheedy sometimes. Yeah, I, me too, because I was, I was a little bit <laughs> But weird. I was never, I was never I Andy the Jock, and I was never prom queen status. But, and I probably had smart mouthy, you know, Bender qualities a couple sometimes, but the one I most probably relate to is Anthony Michael. Yeah. I know when I used to watch it as a kid, like that was like when he started when I first watched it, and he's explaining how he feels and what he does and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I get, I get this. Yeah, well, I mean, when he's talking about pressure, because yeah. you know, because when they're having the confrontation in the in the last act of the movie, and you know. Claire is saying, you don't understand the kind of pressure that Andy and I have trying to be popular. Because goes, of status. Yeah, he, she's Ooh. like, you don't think I understand pressure? I mean, because he's like, I can't I can't come home with a B. Yep. I need to have all A's. I understand. Yeah. One thing I'd like to note, the dad 
that picks him up, I believe, is John Hughes in the car picks him up at yes. the end of the movie. Yes. John oh, really? Hughes is I the didn't guy driving the that. car. So why are you putting so much pressure on Brian, John Hughes? Exactly. Be nice to your kid. <laughs> You know what he just went through? He tried to shoot himself with a flare gun. Yeah. So, so Lamp your favorite char- so your favorite character or the one you relate to the most, Brian. Yes. Brian. Brian. Yeah. All right, we're all Brians. All right. So we're all let's, we're let's... all we're all writing our papers yep. right now. <laughs> exactly. And I, that would be me too. I'd end up doing all the work for all. Of it. Like you, you should do. Oh it, yeah. Jerry. I think all all three of us <laughs> have ended up in the um, unfortunate group project setup where we end up doing a majority of the work and being very irritated and bitter about it. <laughs> not maybe not you as maybe much. Not me, me and probably more <laughs> Nancy and I. I kind of I kind of always kind of felt like I floated by in high school mm. cuz and then like once high school is over like gigantic brain dump and I forgot everything. Then you're not Brian. Well, well, Matt's saying brain dump of the experience. Probably. No, no, I no know, brain dump I know. of the knowledge. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so if I'm, um, I'll, I'll start it off. So if I'm ranking characters like least favorite, are we only talking about the five kids? Yes, yes the five. We the don't five care kids. about the janitor. We certainly would not like, like the least principal. favorite to most favorite. Yes, yes, yes. From an entertainment factor or how much I like just them. your personal opinion. Oh, like if I'm doing this on a whim. Um, my least favorite, Andy. Same. Same. Um, then Claire. Same. Not me. Then, no. I'll tell you mine later. Um, then probably Brian, Ali Sheedy's character, whose name I can't remember. Allison. Allison. Allison then Bender. So I mean, just from, a, just because, like, I know he has all the iconic lines, um, even though he's such a he's such a jerk, he's the one that you like. He's the one you're really watching in the movie. Oh yeah, he moves the story along. He really kind of moves the story along. And, and, in and, the... and in, in the end, he's also he as much as he he tries to be very real. You know, when it's it also comes being to, physically abused. Yeah, I like, mean, he I don't talks know if about, any of them are. You know, he might he might get off on like giving Brian shit for, you know, his Mr. Rogers lifestyle that he think that he thinks he has. But again, at the end of the movie, like as they're sitting there talking, he's really kind of listening. Oh like, yeah. With the exception of when he's giving uh Claire shit, you know, yeah. but ultimately he was giving Claire shit because he really liked her. Uh, I don't like that. No, no. It's wrong. I mean, you so. do your ranking, Cherry. So. <laughs> uh it's Andrew, then Claire, Allison, Brian, then Bender. So my ranking is almost the same as yours. Mine is Andrew, Allison, okay, Claire in the middle. Yeah. But then it is a neck and neck race, and I think depending on the day, Brian is my favorite. It it, 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 yeah. it, it, it I have Brian and Bender. Me yeah. too. I'm it alternates say, between yeah, Brian I, and I like Bender. Is my favorite. Whether like, you're the one with the weed or the one holding the weed. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So. No, and I, that wasn't really hard for me to think of because, you know, Allison has very little to do in this movie. She's <laughs> just kind of, I mean, she doesn't even speak until almost halfway through the movie, if not further in. I mean, the most noise she makes is when she's cracking the Captain Crunch cereal <laughs> in her very weird sandwich with, like, the sugar sticks. And pixie the, sticks. Oh, it's yeah. pixie oh, sticks, Captain oh Crunch God. on bread. It was so weird. <laughs> she's like... Who she's gave her that plemento look? She's the symbol. She's the, the symbolism of weird goth kid. The closest you're going to get in that movie. So, it's so bizarre. Which is great. And, 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 just, and she just, she, 
she just seemed like I can totally see why she annoys you. She annoys me for a lot <laughs> of reasons. Like you know, like when she dumps her whole purse. On, like when she asked the guys after they got high, "You guys want to see what's in my bag?" And they're like, "No." And she's just like, "Whatever." Dumps yeah, but it she, all out. but but her whole thing though is that like she's in the shadows. Like no one she's opening knows up. her, she's trying to and open she's up. like yeah. trying to open up, and. You know, her parents ignore her. You know, she just yeah. feels like she's she's nothing. And so she she's now she's there, whether she's there willingly or not. You know, she's she's like, Okay, I'm gonna try and connect with these people and then yeah. and then Claire at the end, you know Yeah, you know, helps her kinda you know, gives her a little makeup and dolls her up a little bit and mm-hmm. she gets to really have a real connection with Andy. And I, I think that this is probably one of my favorite Emilio Estevez roles, just yeah. because. Um, he's still my even least though favorite. He's my, of the kids. Even though he's my least Mighty favorite. Ducks. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he's nicer in that movie than he is in this movie. He uh, is. That's so cheap. Billy the Kid, Young Billy Guns, the kid, young and guns. Young Guns too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. In, in that, you can't really get along about that one, but obsessed, uh, obsessed. Medical he's very good in this, in this in, movie, uh, though. St. Elmo's Fire, like I'm in that too. I still need to watch that. You will. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it's, I, I I like I liked Allison and I yeah. think that so that's why I rank her third, but do you want understands why no, she's my second to the last? Like I knew she would be lower three. for you. Like, I knew. She's like between two and three sometimes <laughs> for me. Because I I love she's so I just funny. think it's funny too. I love her because like, she's fucking weird. Right? Her and Bender. Oh, <laughs> talking about dancing though, like Molly Ringwald doing like oh, yeah. the total eighties goofball dance with Iconic. you know the the, the, the knees and the, the feet, kicking shuffling and the like feet. the oh, yeah. you know the Nancy's doing it right now doing it right now you know the <laughs> the, the elbows it's like the elbows are very important in this dance and uh, the twisting it's very silly yeah there's a couple of like music video moments in oh, yeah. this movie like with little montages and stuff like them running through the halls and all of that yeah the, the, the nightmares for okay. sliding through the halls okay do they think the principal is deaf. Because how oh, did the like, principal not hear? Well, he their was gone for crazy a while. ass footsteps as they're running all through the halls. Like you can't tell me that he wouldn't have heard the. Yeah, it's definitely like, questionable. It's very silly. There's lots of so silly. Great. There's lots again, of silly things. In again, this movie. all of these movies have a lot of elements of fantasy. They're trying to put a scholarship. The main door that they closed was a <laughs> was a double door. When the when Bender took the screw out of one door, <laughs> why didn't they just open the other door? One of uh, Sherry's favorite quotes ever is: "Screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place." <laughs> yeah. I say it all the time. I love that line. Can you describe the ruckus? <laughs> I think your dad and my dad should get together and go bowling. Yeah. Bender has the best lines. Ben, Bender is great. I mean, I think growing up and seeing someone so irreverent and so mouthy, you know, just so just angry and just so willing to stand up to authority was very interesting for me and Matt. Oh, just, just <laughs> yeah. that whole that whole scene when... He gets ten more detentions. When he gets all the detentions. <laughs> Actually, Do you want another one? Yes. <laughs> That's Brian right there. You count. got another one. <laughs> I've got you for your whole natural <laughs> born life. <laughs> yeah. 
And he I, tells him when he starts counting. That's one of my favorites when Brian is like, well, actually, it was, what does he say, seven when you came in and you told him that he, what, did he raid Barry Manilow's wardrobe? <laughs> now it's eight. You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's seven. It's really seven. <laughs> yeah. This no. movie still holds up too. Right? And teenagers still watch it. They, it's still like it's still people love teenagers it. Teenagers should watch it. They should. You should know, I watched. mean, like Matt said earlier, <laughs> minus the like diversity issues that yes. are a problem in this movie. Um, that aside, I still think the bigger issues of you know the different kinds of abuse that the kids have with you know the different levels. I mean, and you've got like Allison in particular. She's completely neglected. That's one way that she's abused. And then you have Andy's parents just similar, wanting Similar him. to Brian. Just Andy's and... Yes. They, they, they Simil- want yes. them to achieve. Overachieve, be yeah. Overachievers in what they're good at, but also to a level of almost psychosis. And then Claire's dad, like her parents use her as um, as like a pawn and f- yeah. to fight between them. And then... Then, of course, Bender's parent, dad, is just... They beat him. Literally beats him and gives him cigarettes for Christmas. I think also, you know, you bring up an extra interesting point. You know, Allison's parents neglect her. And in a way, even though Claire is being spoiled, they're kind of of neglecting her, too, because while they're paying attention to her, it's more just... Well, it's material. Well, it's material, but it's only to use them to fight amongst each other. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're not really, I mean, how much are they really caring about her? So. Yeah, it's, they, yeah, it, there's no connection. There's no. no, like, emotional support. It's just like, no. here's your diamond earrings for Christmas. Right. So. so what's your favorite scenes? You go first. My favorite scene is when he's crawling through the ceiling and he's telling that joke, which I, at one point, even Googled to see if there was an, a, <laughs> a punchline to the joke. There's not. But, yeah. And he falls and he Causes screams, yep. Oh, and then he's yeah. like, "I forgot my pencil." <laughs> it's like, it's like hot for teacher. That's another. That's another. <laughs> I walk into a room. I forgot my pencil. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the iconic, you know, scene of them kind of sitting in the round and having their kind of really opening up. I think we can all agree is probably one of the best scenes yeah. in the movie. Um, towards the end. T- towards the end. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes, even though it's not a really fun scene to watch, is when Bender does first the impression of Brian's family and then does the impression of his own family. Yeah. Is that for real? You want to come over sometime? I mean, that whole kind of thing is, is... Did I stutter? Yeah. That's a... I remember being able to, like... I don't think I can do it now, but I used to be able to sight both yeah. both of those mm-hmm. and the fact that yeah, like dad. the other kids are like <laughs> don't they're like it's like they're like he's lying and it's like yeah no he's not yeah so i mean how many, i mean he has friends but i mean i think that a lot of times like and i think i had some friends like this i had like close friends and then i had friends that i hung out with because mm-hmm. it was like fun to do stuff with mm-hmm. but i don't remember really opening up to those friends you're more just hang out friends? Yeah, like people I would go and do stuff with, but I didn't open up to them as much as I did other friends. And um, I think that that, you know, Bender might have had like, you know, the guys he went and got high with or went to, did whatever with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe these 
four other people in detention are the only ones that, you know, because he was forced to be there, mm-hmm. first ones that actually, like, listened to this shit that yeah. he was going through. Yeah. And maybe that's why he ends up having a kind of a connection to Claire at the end. Yeah. So. I think my favorite scene <clears throat> is part of that discussion towards the very end where um, Brian asks, so what happens on Monday? And she goes, yeah. oh, you mean when yes. we're all back in school, are we going to act <clears throat> like we like each other? And then them having to kind of dig deep and really understand that because of the cliques that they're in, how easy would it be for them to keep a connection and you know brian really being very honest about how screwed up that is and claire also being really honest and saying this i don't know what else to do yeah you know i'm sorry i know it sucks i hate that it's like this and this is why i like her more than andy because i think andy was lying a bit about how easy he thinks it would have been to just be like oh sure brian how's it going but then i think claire was a lot more claire's a lot more tuned in to just how screwed up this the the click situation is. She says she hates it. She doesn't like being caught up in it, but she doesn't know how to get out of it. Well, I think it, here's where I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit. It's okay. Is Andy because of you know he's on the wrestling team, he's fit and everything like that, and he was probably kind of like one of the leaders in his group. If Brian was a you know, walks by him is like, hey, Andy. And he goes, hey, what's up, man? And all the other guys are like, why are you talking to that guy? He'd be like, hey, I had detention with that guy. He's a good guy. Or I'll beat the shit out of you. He could actually do that. I don't know if Claire has that position to do with her friends. Andy would not do that. Andy would not do that. I don't know. Remember? He sucks. Allison said he does what everybody, he doesn't think for himself. That but is he his just, big problem. But he just he had agrees. this whole opening moment and he hooked up with Allison. Well, maybe after the end of it, but at that but point when they, were, when they were saying that, he wouldn't have. It's yet. because she didn't have all that black shit on her eyes anymore. <laughs> but my point Which I take offense to. I know. Yeah, but, but honestly, <laughs> I mean, maybe if, if we're going to, if you're going to watch this movie and think that, hey, maybe this detention actually changed these, these people so they at least can connect with each other if they don't want to connect with the system, you know, or school or whatever, they can still connect with each other. Yeah. You know, I think that the... Everything about this for Andy was kind of eye-opening in a sense that, like, he knew he fucked up. And he knew that he did this for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and, well, hopefully he learned. You know, and maybe he actually learned something from this. I know? I don't know if you guys have had that personal experience of what exactly Brian is talking about in the movie, but I have. Like, where you, you know, you're stuck in a smaller group of people that you don't usually hang out with in high school. And then when you're back, like, in high school, it's kind of like... Maybe it happened a little bit, shitty. but they don't where they don't really like, you know, it's not like it was kind of a thing. Yeah. So. Well, and, and, I, and I understand what he's talking about. I mean, I, I'm not sure. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Oh, no, I know I, you're not. I, I know. I don't say that it doesn't happen. But to me, though, it emphasizes even more like Claire's kind of shitty. <laughs> like, yes, I I applaud her for recognizing yeah. that that it probably w- would not be good. But at the same time, I also think that. Her, she needs to take more ownership of herself and not just fall into the trap of the cliques that she's in. And I will say, not to just be like a Claire defender by any means, but she, she, she does take good. ownership of it because she reaches out to connect with Bender at the end. And like he says, why did you do that? And she goes, because I knew you wouldn't. So she wouldn't have walked out of the school kind of hand in hand with him at the end of detention, hooking up with him or whatever, and giving him one of her diamond earrings 
if she wasn't willing to be able to, like, show the world. Because she makes such a big deal throughout the whole movie about, I believe in one guy, one girl. I don't believe in playing the field or anything like that. That's why she hadn't had sex yet and all that. Ooh, Matt is pointing an angry finger at me. He <laughs> wants to say something. <laughs> he has an excited all, finger. All of that is... All of that is very true. Totally agree with you, with one exception. Bender says, after she kisses him and says, why did you do that? I didn't think, you know, because I knew you wouldn't. You know how your mom and dad always, you know, pin you, you know, each other against whatever? Wouldn't I be great at that capacity? In some ways, maybe she doesn't tell her friends that she's hooking up with Bender but does tell her parents to piss off her parents I and think, maybe get her parents together. I think that they're together in the next week at school. I don't know. Who knows how long so, it lasts. Tom Hughes didn't do Breakfast Club, I know. the sequel. So which is what's great about these movies know. is they don't have sequels, which, you know, nowadays it'd be like, they'd make sequels. And then he made more Home Alone. American Pie 4. Hey, Home Alone, leave Home Alone alone. And, home and, alone. and you, know, <laughs> you know what's funny, is, and we're kind of going off topic, but like, even though there were multiple vacation movies with like vacation, European vacation and Christmas vacation, because they have different kids, I kind of feel like they're not sequels. They're just standalone movies. No, I don't think they are. I mean, they are. Yeah. So yeah. Anthony Michael Hall is, 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 uh, Anthony Michael Hall, Rusty. Yep. Rusty number one. I know. Yeah. And then that's the one with the dead grandma on it's the vacation. Oh, yeah. Vacation's yeah. great. Yeah. Maybe you guys will have to do a, a National Lampoon's uh, vacation. The one we watched the most was European, European. Vacation. European Vacation. That's great. when I learned about Turnabouts. That's the movie that <laughs> taught me about I cannot get left. <laughs> <laughs> Matt and Sherry have Turnabouts in their area, and it always cracks no, me up. No, We have crossing circles. They're different. Crossing, traffic circles. Traffic circles. If you ask traffic my circles, awesome. We had to look them up. We had to look them traffic up. Traffic circles the have stop signs. <laughs> That's why we know. Roundabouts don't have stop signs and it's just a yield. Oh That's boy. the difference. Okay. If you ask my Australian Siri, he'll tell you <laughs> at the third exit on the roundabout. <laughs> That's what he tells me. So he's calling them a roundabout. Either All way. right. So I think that um, unless anyone has anything else that they'd like to add about this amazing movie, um, I think it really holds up. It holds up. I, I was, I would, be, I was really, I hadn't. I seen was thinking it, the same. Thing. I hadn't seen it in a long time because, like we established on our last episode, I don't really rewatch a lot of movies in the last ten years because I'm yeah. just too busy. But this movie really holds up, and I was thrilled to rewatch it. I know whenever, if it comes on on TV, or I, I've put it on a few times because I feel like watching it, but it always has that Saturday comfort feeling for me, like when it used to be like on TBS or whatever, and I'd watch it. It's like if you watch it on a Saturday, yeah. it's like we're in detention with Yeah, them. yeah, it's yeah. just got that. The yeah. only other thing that I'd add is, A, I'd really hope they never remake it, but B, if, they, if they ever did remake it, um, more diversity... And I think it would be hilarious if Judd Nelson played Bender and was the principal. Just that would be, be good. That would be funny. That's kind of like <clears throat> how Matthew Broderick eventually played a principal in Election, even though he's been I need a, to watch a jer- that. jerky, pain-in-the-ass high school student in both War Games and Ferris Bueller. 
All right. So, Sherry, do you want to, you know, you haven't done this before, but do you want to give us a little kind of intro to our last movie? All right. So, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, done in 1986, again by John Hughes, written and directed, starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris, Alan Ruck as Cameron, Mia Sarah as Sloan. Fun fact, Molly Ringwald wanted to play Sloan, but John Hughes told her that the role was beneath her. Oh, okay. John Hughes wrote this movie in, I believe, six days. Hmm. And I think Mia Sarah's probably the youngest actress, but they're still all in there. Maybe she was, she She, was like 18. She was 18 playing a 17-year-old. Yeah, right. So she was the closest, but I think that Matthew Broderick was like 23 and... Alan Ruck is like 29 in this movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this in on v- previous episodes before, but man, get, I mean, I don't care how old Alan, he is because he's amazing. Alan Ruck, I think, you know, I think that breaks the record from the chick from 90210 because I think she was like 28. Andrea. Andrea. Stockard Channing in Greece. We'll break all those records. Playing Rizzo. <laughs> yeah. I give that a pass so because it's a musical. Jack said the same thing. <laughs> See? Only, only because I think as you're... I've always you, liked that, Jack. Yeah, he's, he's the best. Um, I think he said the same thing because, by, you know, you have to get... Anyway, the musical talent needed has to be a little more established. Although Olivia Newton-John may have even been older than Stockard Channing. I'd have to probably. I mean, probably. Yeah. But my, my to that point... No, Alan Ruck... Is a lot older. I mean, I think there's scenes where Cameron, like, his hair moves and there's gray in it. I mean, they <laughs> So, this movie, I'll just sum up the, the main idea of the plot in the beginning is, it's too nice outside. Ferris does not want to go to school and he's going to take his ninth sick day that semester Nine times. Yeah, and he's got to fake his way through that sick day so that his parents and especially Principal Rooney, uh, so he doesn't find out. Shout out to Mrs. Poole as, uh, you know, Ed's secretary. Who is also in Carrie. Yes, she is. She's one of the girls that made made fun of Carrie. Uh, She was. Yeah, she was. She was, yep. Yep. She was a little she's a not little younger there. She's not a righteous dude in that movie. No. <laughs> or in this one. No, one uh, one quick little thing about her character was um when they like they couldn't get her hair right, so she did her hair herself when John Hughes saw it. He says to her, wow, I wonder how many pencils you could fit in there. And that's how the whole scene of her t- pulling the pencils <laughs> out great. came up, like, right on the fly. I, I will say I like that she's got kind of, like, a Minnesota accent. or like a, Yes. I think, I think that, it's supposed to be more Chicago. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, I I believe that she's from kind of that, like that, like that, region. that yeah. region, like what you hear, like, in Fargo or whatnot. Yeah. Just that I feel like more... the Hogan family, they were in Minnesota. I don't remember. No idea. Anyway, but uh, this movie... While I might love Breakfast Club just a little bit more, I've I saw Ferris Bueller. It's the, I realized it's the first John Hughes movie that I saw. Oh, okay, and my dad had me watch it. I've loved it ever since. It still makes me laugh. How and many times did you cut school? Never, I didn't. I was I was Brian. I know <laughs> cut school. <laughs> Not like my mom. Okay, so... My mom would get dropped off sometimes at the front of high school, and my grandpa went around the back once, and she was walking out the back. <laughs> <laughs> She's not me, though. Her daughter, that would not happen, but... 
What, if I did, what, it was like senior cut day, so we were all gone. I mean, that doesn't count. That's okay. You're, yeah. you're allowed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, fair, I mean, this movie is just so funny. Uh, the way that Ferris fucks with people, I mean, it's just classic. I wish I was that kind of prankster. I wish I was that inventive, but... Did you already mention that Jennifer Grey plays his sister? No, I didn't say Jennifer Grey yet. Yeah, okay. Jeannie's great. Love Jennifer Grey. I I think the sibling... So back to our oh, yeah. 16 Candles discussion and sibling rivalries. I mean, I don't know if there's another John Hughes movie that has quite the sibling rivalry that this movie has. Um, From that time, I'd say no. Um, Macaulay Culkin really hates his family in Home Alone. But, <laughs> but he's like six or seven, but they, right? But I most mean, of the movie the is him by himself. It's and, not And I true. can't remember. Yeah. Are, are Ferris and um, Janie supposed to be twins? No. She's younger she's... then? Because he's supposed to be graduating. What year is she? Because she already has a car. Because he got a computer. I thought she was older. Then why is she... No. no. Well, then, then they may have been twins. Maybe they're twins. Yeah, maybe you're right. Rocky Raccoon is outside. Sounds <laughs> like a frog. Um, <laughs> so I just need to throw out here, I didn't really enjoy this movie as a kid. Okay. And I'll tell you, a lot of it was how I could not understand the timeline in this movie. Okay. So there is no... You're not the only one online that has a problem with the timeline. Well... I'll tell you oh, though. Oh, I have, that, that is definitely I, I think, a problem. I think our dad hates this movie probably. <laughs> for the, yeah. But I'll tell you. It is completely illogical. It's totally He doesn't Ill- like Matthew Broderick at all though. No. But as an adult, I've moved away from being irritated by it and just kind of understood that, like I've been saying, all of these movies have a fantasy element. This is truly the fantasy sure. of this movie that you could feasibly do all of these things before during a school during yeah. a school day or six yeah like yeah. Total, the going to the baseball game would aspect take all of it day would take th- i mean that's a three to four hour thing right there yeah is the baseball game so yeah. and baseball games even in chicago they normally start twelve thirty or one o'clock i mean that's really eating into your time and they were having lunch then and hadn't they already gone to the museum too and, and who's to say they even uh, yeah. got on the road before, like, 10, 30, 11? Because Ferris was coaxing Cameron out of bed for a good long oh, time. Oh, okay. So, and who knows how far they live outside of Chicago? It could have taken them a good half hour, 45 minutes to drive there. I mean, there were just so many little... But, but again, I don't get, old. get irritated by this stuff anymore. I just kind of look at it and go, ha, 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 yeah. This is just a complete fantasy that they. When could you get possibly. old, your heart dies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get annoyed by by clocks. Uh, I, I had the complete opposite experience. You liked it as a kid. And you don't like it as a grown up. I exactly. I think I liked it more younger, and the more I watch it, the more it bothers me. I like it the same. <clears throat> good, good. <laughs> I mean, I still find it funny, and I still sure. get entertained by it. But like, for example, I'm rewatching it, and what is the first thing I notice is like, wow. Mathematically, like logically, I'm looking at when he's taking, they're taking attendance in his first class and then they're going to like another class. So in this time frame, one class has passed by. He wore six outfits, <laughs> six different outfits in that. Does that like, include his German clarinet outfit? Yes. Oh, okay. 
Yes. So in the time, so he changed. He took a shower and changed his clothes into different outfits like five or six times within an hour. And who is that like, Matt? That that you also like? You just saw them play. The lead singer. He likes to change. That's different. That's for a show. (laughs) (laughs) That's. That's different. That that's like that's like doing that's just doing um, costume changes for for a number. That's totally different. My it's point is, it's great too. They're what, both what great. What kid is pretending to be sick and wearing six different outfits? And he's hour? a fun guy. <laughs> so, like to your point, ridiculousness and everything like that needs to be set aside. I guess I probably just didn't care about that stuff as a kid because I was just like, wow, this is a creative fantasy kind of thing. It's a comedy. Now I look at it and I'm like, wow, I know this is a movie, but that's really improbable that he would do that. <laughs> he did write it in six days. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Can we talk about the scene when he's trying to coax Garen out of the house? You're not dying. You just <laughs> don't have anything better to do. <laughs> I'm Cameron. I am not Ferris. Same. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm Cameron. I don't know. Actually, I don't He's know my any, favorite. I don't know any Ferrises. I don't think I know any. Maybe there's some people that have touches of Ferris, but really, Ferris Bueller's an asshole. <laughs> He, you know what? He rides the line. He is, but he's not. He's not so bad. Like he's 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 got that he, like intense risk taker. Sure. Quality. Like he's got almost like an evil Knievel kind of quality, where he is not afraid of consequences. But it's not he Bender feels, level, though. He, he feels <sighs> like he is. He can outsmart anybody. And this he's so, pretty smart. So yeah, he's pretty so smart. So we kind of go to a larger discussion. I mean, we, we can keep talking about Ferris, but yeah, yeah, yeah. specifically a larger discussion. What did adults do to John Hughes? <laughs> I know. John Hughes hates adults. He had a hard he, he, adolescence. He thinks he adults kidding. are one of two things, complete idiots or complete monsters. Like, there is no in-between. Well, I think, I think it's that eyes of the teenager thing again, yeah, though, too. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah. I think he connects really, you know, when he was writing these 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 six <laughs> movies he was really he, at that you know he really kind of connected within these stories he really connected with the teenagers and and yes some of it is kind of of a fantasy um incredible fantasy come on man in, in some ways i mean these are almost yeah. this is like a similar level of fantasy as like better off dead kind of i will say this though um to as like when we were talking about 16 candles like how things are kind of kind of exaggerated maybe because it's through the eyes of Samantha. Yeah. Maybe that things are kind of exaggerated in this movie because they're through the eyes of Cameron. Jack said the same thing. And that maybe it's even I knew I liked that, that Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe this isn't even something that happened. This is just Cameron is depressed and in bed the whole day and this is just an imagination he's having. I don't think it's an imagination. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me. <laughs> But like the whole idea, like I bet, like you know, you know, Ferris is calling him, and he's in bed, like sick, and doesn't want to leave, and he's in his like cold, really medical-looking house and all uh, museum house and everything, and you know, Ferris is calling him. He's like, I bet Ferris is at a luau right now. He's just sitting there in his shorts, drinking mai tais, and then all of a sudden, he's just going to change magically into another outfit and plays clarinet. But he's going to keep calling me, and he's going to call me, and he's just, you know. 
I I agree there are some definite kinds of craziness in this movie. Yeah. yeah but I think that I I think that That's part of the we were all talking I I mean, we're all talking about like who we relate to the most as like being Cameron. Yeah. And not knowing someone like Ferris. I think it's really I mean, kind of we're, this... we're a room full of Brian's. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of it, it, it's kind of like you know, Cameron is friends with with Ferris for even though he he, he tortures or whatever. He loves it because there are times when Ferris gets Cameron away from the shit that depresses him. Yeah. I mean, he ends up having at the end of this movie a really fun, great you know, yeah. day that is not even, even though he is stressed the entire time His about the car, really controlling. whether they're going to get caught, all this stuff. I mean, by the time it was like halfway through the day and they had made it through like sneaking into the restaurant and like pretending that the cops were there and everything like that, they shouldn't have given a shit if they got caught. I feel like he first <laughs> looks the most relaxed when they're at the game and he's going like, Hey, bad about it. Like he looks like he's finally kind of like, yeah, yeah. Chilled out. But uh, he must have had one of those hot dogs you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Chicago dog. When I go to Wrigley, I'm going to eat one. There you go. Um, Has dill pickles, not relish. Yes, <laughs> and I think whole tomato, like slices of tomato. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a Chicago style hot dog. Okay. He's definitely, I think, the one we all relate to the most. Yeah. And he needs, and like I said, he needs Ferris. And you know, Ferris says multiple times he isn't doing these crazy adventures this day for himself. Like, he wanted to make sure Cameron had a day like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows this is the last time he gets to do this, otherwise he's gonna have to do summer school or something really bad is gonna happen because it's make his it senior count. year. He's, you know, he's gotta, gotta be really good. And, you know, what was his quote? You know, life happens really life, fast. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might just miss it. Yeah, so which is not bad advice. I mean, it is kind of that it's great stop advice. and sm- you know, you know, smell the roses kind of thing, you know, and really kind of look at what's out there and, and enjoy it, and not just you know get bogged down by your job or school yeah. or whatever. Just kind of, and it's not a terrible way to 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 think about things. You know, it's, yeah. it's good, but at the same time, you know. I think one of the things that also kind of bothers me about this movie, and and then I read online someone had pointed this out, like, like he complains about not getting a car. Totally understandable. Freedom. He doesn't get mm-hmm. that freedom. Whatever. He ends up doing stuff on that computer that he got, which has probably cost as much or more mm-hmm. than the car he got okay. at that time. Oh, yeah. The sound machine thing is actually the thing that I think costs the most. Probably, I mean, it's like he, eight grand or he something. Had a lot of cool stuff, and you know, he he really had like he might not have had the freedom of a car to go out, which is probably what he wanted. <clears throat> but he had a lot of cool stuff to like keep himself busy, do these things. I mean, he learned how to hack into the school's computer yeah. and change You know why? The... Because cause his older cousin, David, from Seattle... There you go. ...probably taught him how to do that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. War games. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's uh, one thing, you know, in, to reference a previous episode of our show, um, 
when he's on the phone with the freshman and he's at the keyboard making the sounds, mm-hmm. he goes, they're, they're like, wow, how bad is it? He's like, well, did you ever see that movie Alien? <laughs> that thing bursts out. It's kind of like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah so. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess one of my problems with Ferris, he's just this insane compulsive liar. I mean, he has got everybody fooled. Well, and he's doing it, it's it's different than, like, Ali Sheedy's character that is compulsively lies in Breakfast Club. Like, he's doing, it's, it's, he's doing it for jokes, for, like, pranks. He's not doing it for, you know. He's not doing it out of malice. To, out of, no, he's not malicious. He is, he's not, but I mean, he's, he's, he's not really he's hurting anybody. He's not everybody so for manipulated. Genie. I mean, that everybody thinks that he's either, like, in the hospital or needs a new kidney. Which is hilarious. And then, like, the English the English department sent fla- get-well flowers. I don't me. think he... I don't it know just... how much of that stuff, though, was him. I think it was the game of telephone, and then it all started becoming, like, you but know... That's the thing. It's like he has this reputation <laughs> of just being this, like... The fact that... the fact that Everyone loves him, Nancy. The fact that Charlie Sheen and his... Drugs... Is that why you're here? Drugs. As when when she reveals that Ferris Bueller's her brother, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you know him." It's like, how does this random guy? That is the know? underlying thing in that movie that makes it so funny, though. Everyone knows him. There's a band called Save Ferris. I know that? it's crazy. Well, and did you know Charlie Sheen stayed up for two days for that to do that scene? He stayed awake. For two days. So he'd have, like, all the red eyes. So he'd the, look, the like, all, like and... jacked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just kept that look forever. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Estevez. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that as I've watched this movie over time, and I agree with you, like, there are things that, like, he doesn't do these things to be malicious. He just does it to, like, get out of his, res- to, to avoid responsibility. He's a teenager. Yeah. And he's he, doing it to avoid responsibility. And, he's, and He and Bender have more in common now, now than you think. So, so, <clears throat> I, I wasn't sure how I was going to tie this into this, into this discussion, okay. but there was a show on the USA Network in, like, the early 90s, and I think, like, one summer I was home and it was on every day. So I caught like every episode of it. And I had, and I had read before that it was inspired by Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And it was called Parker Lewis oh. Can't oh, Lose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I used to watch it. And was based, Jennifer Aniston in that? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Parker Posey? I don't know. No, it's called Parker Lewis Cannon. No, I know. I don't know if it was Parker. But anyway, in the show, he is kind of this, like, problem-solving, like, I-can-help-you-get-what-you-want kind of guy, where, and everyone kind of loves him, and, like, the principal doesn't like him. I I believe it it was based on it. it, it, No, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, and occasionally he references, like, his pro, like, like, the person he would look up to. yeah. And... The very last scene of the very last episode, they're in like a like a cafeteria or something like or a, a theater at the school, and it's panning out, and it pans behind a, a, the back of a person, so all you see is like the back of them, and it's Ferris Bueller. Oh, interesting. And so it it definitely connected the fact that this show was inspired by, it. and I always thought that was cool. But I think the cool thing about it was. If this is how Ferris was supposed to be, and this is how everyone kind of liked him, 
it wasn't necessarily because everyone felt bad for him. I think that throughout his high school career, he made a reputation for himself of using this like manipulative power to help all the other people. Yeah, you got that and kid out of summer school. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. There was one kid that said, he's going to help me again. And, and here is this day where it's this beautiful day and he's trying, and now he's finally like really trying to help his best friend. Yeah. Who, who's pretty desperate. So if you look at it that way, it really, I, I that's kinda, how I see it. I kind of really see it. Like this is the day where he actually gets to take a break from all that other shit. You know, he's helping everybody and everyone loves him and everything like that. And now he gets to like go and just, have a lot of fun. I mean, I mean the mo- of all the ridiculous things in this movie, the one that bothers me the most and is like the most cringeworthy for me is the parade scene. I hate the parade scene. I hate the Donkashane. I hate the twist and shout. I hate all the footage of all the people dancing. I hate the bride. I hate the groom. It just, it just, it drives me crazy. It makes me uncomfortable watching it. Why? Because it's so. Asinine. What makes it so asinine? Because <laughs> it would never happen. They have that parade every year. And, and honestly, what would have happened in this movie? You I know, mean, the museum scene and the parade scene are my favorite scenes in this movie. You know who else does not like the parade scene for a specific reason? I don't know if he feels this way still. Apparently, the twist and shout they do, which is the Beatles version of the song, and they add all of the you know parade music in the band. Paul McCartney feels. There's way too much brass in that version of Twist and Shout. Oh I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, Paul. I think he's a killer. Is what I think. <laughs> I found that so funny. I was like, "What?" No, so and I think weird. that's like an iconic scene, but it it just drives you crazy. I love. I do. I think that if we're if we're looking at favorite, scenes, there's real people in that scene too. Um, Museum scene. The museum best. scene is great. It has all this great art in it, and, and it, it has a cover of. Please, please, please let me get what I want yes. in the background. So, fun fact, as Cure fans, that scene, That's the instrumental... Nice. No, I know that. Okay. No, just listen. Can't the, finish. <laughs> the, uh, the scene, the music, the instrumental they play when they're in the museum, Robert Smith was wrote an instrumental for that scene, and he just didn't get it done in time or something, and it didn't get put in the movie. Oh, Yeah. I mean, that, that, the, the that music cool? in that scene is great. I was like, whoa, the Seurat painting. and that's mm-hmm. I love that, how Cameron just loses it, the pointillism. He's just staring at it like, what? I've, I've been there, and yeah. I stood in front of that painting. Which is awesome. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, I love the museum scene, um, but I love the scene when it's at the end and he's racing to get home. Oh, yeah, that's great. And he's, like, running <laughs> through the houses and stuff, and then in... The Spider-Man Homecoming movie, they do an homage to that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> where he's, like, doing a lot of the same kind of stuff at night while he's chasing one of the villains. And I just... that The scene with in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when they do it, it just seems so, like, how is he, like, jumping over all the stuff? And he's like... I love it when he runs through the house and he's like, dinner's ready. Mmm, smells delicious. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like... He hurt himself doing all that stuff. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he probably tripped a million times. <laughs> So I just, and it's well shot too. It's like a lot of it's kind of done in one shot where yeah, it's cool. just running through yeah. everything and that's a cool scene. So the the museum scene is your favorite scene. Yeah. That's what you I said. I think the museum yeah. scene is my, I mean, I love going to museums, but yeah. just 
everything about that scene. It's very and, nice. And, and if I had to pick one thing <clears throat> that they had done all day, that would have probably been the thing I would have wanted to do. I guess John Hughes used to go to that museum a lot, so he wanted to bring that into the movie. I bet. That's mm-hmm. very nice. Um, and um, I think I've also been to that super tall building we were in. The Sears Tower? Yeah. Well, good for you. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I don't know if I. Did le- you? I don't you remember leaning over the glass. No, I was there at night, and I don't remember leaning over the glass. But I think I remember like looking out, and it was pretty crazy. Did you go to Wall Street and like make all the hand motions and everything? Like, no, that was very fun, <laughs> Cameron. I'll I'll say what's fun about watching this movie now also is that there was a show that I got completely obsessed with over the summer and early fall called Succession, and Alan Ruck plays the oldest sibling in that mm. family. So to get to see Alan Ruck again, you know, at this age where, you know, it's 35, like 33 years after Ferris Bueller came out, um, it's a lot of fun. And he's, yeah, and he he's hilarious also, in that show, so. I think he was also on uh, Spin, Spin City. City. He was. He was on when, Spin City. When, and I don't know if it was <laughs> only when Michael J. Fox was on it. I don't know. I don't know. And then, um, no, he's a he's a pretty good actor, you know, like him. Um, the chick who plays you're my you're my hero, Ferris. Well, <laughs> God, how if he was twenty nine when that came out, he's pretty up there now. I love Jennifer Grey in this too, though. She how irritated oh. she gets. She's so she's so great. Well, I mean, and then Charlie Sheen's character is like, oh, it's why wonderful. don't you ditch too? If right? you're so mad at him because he. <laughs> Oh, I get caught. Well, that's your problem, then, isn't it? But I, I mean, I can kind of understand her frustration. Like, oh, sure. Because, and it's not just she's frustrated that he keeps breaking the rules and gets away with it. It's more that it seems like her parents have this insane blind spot for Ferris. Because he has snowed there yeah. for so long. Yet <laughs> and she gets shit on all the time. She, exactly. Like, yeah. she... I totally get why she's You know, we, we don't actually see her getting punished for very much, other than the cops picking her up for making a phony phone call, supposedly. But um, she's clearly got years of built-up oh, yeah. angst with yeah. watching Ferris be able to be this, like, magician, being able to manipulate everybody, and she just doesn't have that same quality in it. This is her off. Well, because if she could uh-huh. get away with it, she probably would. Right. Well, in a lot of families, the girls are scrutinized more than the guys are too. Yeah. Um. But I mean, in the end, I know. I that's never what's no- so. I never noticed that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> girls are always treated different. I never noticed. Yeah. Okay. In the end, it's just it's the best though when she totally just defends him to mm-hmm. Rooney, and she's just like, you know, thanks for bringing him you. home. Yeah. Can you believe he was so going to walk home from the hospital? So great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped your wallet. Um, and this was pre-Dirty Dancing. Yes. And I believe I saw this before I ever saw Dirty Dancing, so I didn't watch Me this too. with a, oh, she plays Baby. Oh, I liked her so much in that. <clears throat> I want to be on her side for this. No, I mean, I probably was irritated with her just as much as Ferris when I was a kid watching this, but as an adult, it's like, yeah, I understand why she's irritated. Oh, yeah. I get one, of my, it. one of my favorite lines in this movie is at the end, um, when the parents are home, but they're having a conversation just outside the door, like on the porch, right after Jeannie has like gotten like two speeding tickets and like papers are flowing all over like that. The mom is all mad and like saying like pouring her heart out to her husband and the dad just goes, 
I think we should shoot her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know they got married in real life? Yeah, but the they, didn't, yeah, they, they, they got, got married though. after the movie, and they, yeah. they only lasted Not a couple funny. years. I know, but it's still funny. Did you know that the only reason why Charlie Sheen is in this movie is because Jennifer Grey was in Red Dawn with him and then said, hey, I know this guy, Charlie Sheen, and told John Hughes, and that's how he got in the movie. And, and it wasn't because John Hughes asked... Emilio Estevez. Oh, do you know anyone that could play this druggy guy? Oh, yeah, my brother. Why my don't brother, who him? does not have the same last name as me. Yeah. Mia Sarah is married to Brian Henson. I did not know that. Who's Jim Henson's son. Jim Henson's son. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so, she was in Legend, which didn't that have yeah. puppets, too? Yeah. I think yeah, it had some. There you go. Legend's a great movie. It's a fun movie. I mean, Tom Cruise it's is not, in that, Matt. <laughs> it's not my favorite movie. But, but, but evil Tim Curry's in it, too. Yeah, I mean... He is very scary in that movie. You know what's funny? I, mean, I need to watch he, that. He does not even look like him, though. Well, no, he's like painted like a red devil kind of character. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. But, yeah, Tom Cruise is in that movie. I don't know how much he's running in that movie, though. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> Your annoyance with him has increased in the last ten years. You know what? It, it's I've always had, like, a... I know you have, but it's I think all, it's it's, all, it's like it's like like the like the ultimate movie for me to not watch has Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, and Sandra Bullock in it. <laughs> I mean that that's that's just not that's a movie not for me. But anyway, two, two, two of three two of those people won like Best Actor Oscars at one point. It just goes to show how flawed the system is. Sandra and Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Tom I don't think Tom Cruise has ever won a Best Actor Academy Award. Well, maybe was was it the award for best actor who runs? And the MTV so, the MTV he runs Awards. He won. Anyway, so. yeah. So, so you guys know that Matt and I like clearly got into it as siblings in the last episode, but that's why I think it's entertaining that two of the three Johnny Hughes movies this yeah. week really do show some sibling rivalries. I mean, Absolutely. and and I mean especially sp- Ferris and Jeannie. especially okay. Ferris because Ferris just. Like, when she saw him and, like, her eyes, like, narrowed and she that's when she, like, is racing to beat him home. I mean, she's just like, he cannot, he's got to get caught. There's just no way he can keep getting away with this. I think, though, um, if we're going to kind of, if we're okay with opening the the floor a little bit, I'd like to say that of the the teen 80s John Hughes comedies, um, the biggest sibling rivalry was in Weird Science. Between Chet, played by Bill Paxton, and then um, I haven't seen it enough. Dwight, I think his <clears throat> name's Dwight. Uh, yeah. Wyatt, Wyatt. Yeah. Who, um, and you know he's con- Chet's constantly being. Like, I don't know treating how. Him like I don't. Crap, but though. I think Chet's not. I would say. I mean, I could be wrong. Bill Bill Paxton's character. Yes. I don't think he was a teenager. I think he was no, in his he early twenties. Like, so it's I think almost it, like not. It's not really the same because it's not like they're both in high school together, or one is just a little older. I feel yeah, they like they clearly did not get along. Oh no! I mean, at one he point he gets turned into a pile of shit. Yes. So I th- I think of those six movies that clearly is the most fa- like fantasy. Kind they of create movie. a woman, of course, it's a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> they create a woman I mean, who has superpowers. Talking, say, it's not like they're talking about plastic surgery. It's no. Just like, no, create a woman from a Barbie doll. All right, what do you two little maniacs want to do first? Oh, my God. 
That's so. another Anthony Michael Hall movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's, I, it's a fun movie. That I think that that one is good. I've seen it a bunch of times. It's um, it's definitely bizarre and, yes. and weird. Not bizarre in like a David Lynch bizarreness, but d- bizarre in a sense that like it has some fantasy elements to a it. A lot of fantasy. And then uh, during the Pretty in Pink episode, we also mentioned some kind of wonderful. If you were to rank those six movies. Which one, like, which one would be your favorite and which one's your least favorite? Because I really like all of them for different reasons. Yeah. And I know it, we haven't, didn't really recently rewatch Weird Science or Some, some Kind of Wonderful. wonderful. Um, and Some Kind of Wonderful has definitely kind of a different look and a little bit of a different pacing and vibe because John didn't direct it. And it doesn't have his normal cast. It's got Eric Stoltz, uh, Leah Thompson, um... Mary Stuart Masterson. Mar- yeah, it's got like a different set of actors. It's not pulling from the same kind of brat pack that he normally was using. But, and, and I'll make this easy. Is, like, you almost can't compare them too much because... They're all so different. They're all pretty different. I mean, I think the the... The three Molly Ringwald ones, but regardless of the fact that she's in all three of them, they all, those three have, like, the most similar tone to where you could rank those. Yeah. Whereas Ferris Bueller, Weird Science, and Some Kind of Wonderful are all kind of... They're so different. They're very different. I'm I'm not going to pick a favorite. I mean, I think it really just depends on the mood. I mean, I mean, Breakfast Club is maybe maybe the best one out of all those, but I, I don't know. I think it just depends on the mood because if I'm in more of like a, a romantic movie mode, then I'd watch something different. Would you watch Pretty in Pink then? Probably. Or 16 Candles? Uh, either Pretty in Pink or maybe some kind of wonderful, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. They're all, they're, they're all very unique. And again, it's not like either... They're, they're not sequels. They're, they're just... They're all their own unique story. So it just depends. Yeah, I'm not picking a favorite. Good. I abstain. No, well, I mean, I just think that it's an interesting top idea to think of. It's like those movies really kind of stand stand on their own. I mean, and I'm sure there's people that have much clearer favorites than we do. Well, I mean, if I was to just blanketly be like, which movie of those six do you like the most? I'm going to say Breakfast Club. Yeah. Because I've watched it the most. Mm-hmm. When it's on, I can stop. I can stop channel surfing and watch it. Um, I think that it it's the it's the most relatable for because it has the different characters. So, you know, I would say that. I mean, of of those six, probably my least favorite. Ferris Bueller. I have that I have kind of like more of a personal connection with I'm only going to say some kind of wonderful you're doing like 80s teen John Hughes just those six 80s those six because I was going to say there's a lot more than I 80s teen I mean worst Curly Sue I don't know I never saw that I saw it in the theater never saw Curly Sue but I would say only some kind of wonderful because is your least favorite? Is my least favorite? Oh, because you liked the... it. I thought you liked it more than Pretty in Pink. Uh, you probably just haven't seen it as much. I haven't seen it as much. That's how I feel. I just feel like I haven't seen it as much. And, and if I'm looking at like why haven't I seen it as much, it's it's probably because it's the least pop. It's probably the least popular mm-hmm. of all of those. 
It's got a male lead, too. It's got it's the male lead, lead, so it's a little lead. different. Well, but Weird Science... I would say Weird Science has male leads. Yes. Know, but then you put Kelly but LeBrock. Kelly then you put Kelly LeBrock in there, and... She's like well, a goddess in that You can movie. just look at... You can just spend the whole movie looking at Kelly LeBrock, so... Um, Former Mrs. Steven Seagal, I think. Really? Interesting. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, so. wow. I have to. I have to fact check that now. Sorry. <laughs> His loss. Um, I'm saying uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh wait, well, in the eighties teen ones. No, no. I, I, I honestly Christmas would have to really Christmas, think. Christmas Vacation is a great Christmas movie. I never really watched it that much until um, you and I got together. But I gotta say, um, it has really grown on me. Primarily well, I've never of, seen it, and you well, will. Yeah, I can't wait. You will. And Uncle and she Buck, was married to Steve. Yeah, Buck oh yeah, too. I love uh, Uncle and Buck. Is great. I'm not. I've never been a fan of Home Alone. Yeah. And, and it's not. And I I get why people like Home Alone. I just. I don't like like the whole. You're not like, as into physical comedy. I'm not as into physical comedy. Me neither. And like hurting I people, am. stuff like that. <laughs> um, but you know, I have a feeling that your son will laugh at that movie, won't we? Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> I think that that's where where John Hughes, you know, his career kind of started changing. He started doing more. I mean, the Beethoven movies, all of that was more kid friendly, right? So that, but. So, I'd say so of those six. Uh, you're right, right. I, the, yeah, jokes aside, um, Breakfast Club is probably my favorite, but I, I really, I really like Ferris Bueller um, too. So uh, all right, then those two. But yeah, but I, I like them all. Like you said, it's hard. I, I, it's, I, it just I, depends on your mood. I think yeah. I also gained more of an appreciation for Sixteen Candles watching it this time. Yeah, yeah I the have music, to say, I think the music in Sixteen Candles is by far the best out of the three movies we watched this week. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I always enjoy watching it, but lately I've, when I haven't seen it for a while and I was, before we watched it, I was start, I was feeling like, I don't think I'm as into this movie. Like, cause I used, yeah, well, I thought I wasn't, like, I thought maybe I had like not, I wouldn't be as much anymore. I think I like it more now than I ever did. Yeah. It's fine. Which is the op- opposite of the, how I thought I felt. So e- even, even though funny. we both now have the, um, friend or family member getting married the day before <laughs> our, our birthdays experience. Now we can super identify with this movie. I just, I have, I, one of the parts of that movie I have to say that I love so much is when she's leaving, when she's leaving the wedding and she just starts taking off like her pantyhose and stuff. And she's like, ah, get these off. Cause she's just like, so just jacked up on these muscle relaxers. Like the, she just throws the veil and it like lands on the flout. It's so funny. Kicks so her shoe funny. off and it has the the whistle as like the extra sound effect. <laughs> and then her dress is like caught in the car door. Yeah, she's a mess. Yeah. She is that a ha- mess. I have a long sweater that I wear to work sometimes and it's definitely somebody had to point out to me that it was stuck out of the car door. Yeah. So now I have to make sure I pull it, ha- it into the car. It <laughs> happens. It happens. But uh well this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um Thank you again, Sherry, for joining us. It's always a pleasure. I'd like to... Um, did you have something to say? I was just going to say, I watched all three of these movies in a 24-hour period. Which impressive. Was a lot of, which is a lot of fun to do. It was like, all right, I'm powering through and That was with and work. That was with work, but with a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee to keep me awake to watch all of them. And, and to wake up super early to watch them. I'd like to admit that... Um, 
it was really nice that uh, I got to catch up on Breakfast Club before we recorded the podcast because I fell asleep for like 20 minutes re-watching Breakfast Club. It's okay. Because I watched it way too late. Yeah, well, that's what we do. It's yeah. life. Say lovey. We're dedicated to this podcast, though, and we, we want are. to make sure that we're we can... We're squeezing it in when we, we can. We, like to, we are very um, excited for everyone who listens to us. Uh, we did hit a milestone after we posted our last episode, and um, we're all very happy about this and very grateful to everyone who listens. Um, we hit a 1,000 total downloads for of our podcast, which... Um, Nancy, uh, Nancy, with her finance background, was <laughs> checking diligently, the, diligently the numbers, and it, it was fun watching her excitement. She and, was so excited, and I love um, it. You know, we couldn't have done that with all of you listeners. So, thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate you guys getting us there, um, and we're approaching another milestone pretty soon, our twenty fifth episode. So, when we get there, we're going to be, re- you know, that's going to be really special for us too. Yay. So thank you, Sherry, for being a listener and contributor. You. you are an excellent guest, and we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Nancy, for powering through those movies in 24 hours. <laughs> I think that was really great. And for Thank all- you, Matthew, for wanting to do the podcast originally back in Feb- in January, proposing the idea well, you so that we to, can keep it going. You wanted to learn how to edit, and now, now you're doing a great job. Thank you. So, um, And again, we want to um, thank... Uh, Joan and John Cusack for being in 16 Candles and um, you know I wonder what their favorite John Hughes movie is they're so fun in that movie probably that one maybe <laughs> maybe not maybe, maybe not, not. Yeah. maybe they have a soft spot for one of the other ones maybe we can ask them someday you know just a just a quick you know quick couple questions hey <laughs> favorite John Hughes movie go yeah there you go and um if you're out there and you enjoy our podcast, please rate us on on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or it's what? not that hard, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Sherry. <laughs> and um, and uh, follow us online. You know where to follow us. And if you don't, that's okay. Just search for Fighting Over the VCR. There's not many out there. And um, again, yeah, VCRs don't exist anymore. <laughs> Blockbuster is gone. <laughs> The last one finally closed in somewhere in Oregon, I think. Oh, oh it closed. I think it's the one that was open. It's hard to even find stores that have D, you know DVDs that you can rent or anything like that anymore. So, again, thank you everybody. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We're out. Bye.